Turn to Galatians 4.4. Galatians 4.4. The Word of God. But when the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. We're going to be looking at this one verse the next four weeks. And this morning we'll be looking at just that little first part about the timing of God's love in the sending of Jesus. I remember my mom, my sister, and my father and me and I believe it was a 1970 four-door green Pontiac Bonneville with vinyl interior. I remember us heading to the airport at the big city, because I'm from a small town, Quincy, Florida, the big city of Tallahassee, the capital city, to, uh, to go to the airport. And the reason for our trip to the airport was to put my dad on an airplane to send him off to an incredibly faraway place called Vietnam. In fact, my dad literally had to take a globe, spin it all the way around, halfway around the world, put his finger on this little country that I had no clue where in the world he was going to be. And I remember the brave and dramatic goodbyes. And I remember the sick feeling in my stomach from the window as I watched the plane lift him away from us and disappear into the air. And then I remember something I believe just as hard as that. The waiting began. See... My dad wasn't on a business trip for a week or two or three. He was gone for years. We had no clue, nor did he, when he would return and live with us again. Back in those days, those weren't prearranged in how long you stayed at war like they are now. And I I will tell you, just parenthetically, I have an incredible connection with people who sent their loved ones off to Afghanistan and off to Iraq and off to Korea and and different places. And and I was only a kid. and, And if you know people like that, and you do, I can only imagine how much harder that was for my mother because she not only had to wait, she had to keep it all together. And so I would ask you, even this Christmas Advent season, to, uh, to keep those people in mind as well. Well, Christmases came and went. School years finished. I remember cassette tapes being sent home, and that's how you communicated, through the mail and a cassette tape or a letter. And listening to however long a cassette tape was of my dad just talking, 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 talking for 120 minutes, you know, every night putting in. And then we'd talk, 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 talk and and send it back. But I remember that amazing day. After two years, he was actually sent home because he was ill. But after two years, he was standing there. 
And, uh, and I tell you, it was like the world just seemed to be put back right in one moment for me. You know what it's like? It's kind of like Christmas. And an incredible gift. Christmas is about waiting for something that had been lost. That's what Christmas is about. Christmas is about waiting for something that had been lost. And that something that had been lost was a relationship with God. And I tell you, the reason we're filled with joy is because Christmas, the incarnation, is better than getting your dad back from war. It is getting a heavenly father who will perfectly love you, will never leave you, has a purpose for you, and will guide you and give you all things necessary for a whole and fulfilling life if we walk with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, 4, but when the time had fully come, and I, and I love the other rendition, in the fullness of time, some translations at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the full rights as sons. And this morning I want to look at how Advent teaches us that God is always right on time with his love. You believe that? God is always right on time with his love. See, we think he's late. He's not. God's love is never late. And I want to look at this from two different angles. The first is, is the timelessness of God in the sending of Jesus. And the second is the timing of God actually sending Jesus to this world, of the Father sending Jesus to this world. The first is the timelessness of God. It's so interesting that the text says, when the time had fully come, God sent His Son. God is in charge of time. God is right on time. God is sovereign. There's not like lost moments. It's not like God woke up and said, Wow, I should have sent my son a thousand years ago. I I better send him now. God is absolutely in control over time and what the meaning of time is and the, the way events play into one another that, that create the reality that we live with. God in Acts says that he was sovereign over the times and the places that we would live. Isn't that amazing? Time is a subset of, of, of God's rule. That's comforting to me. But there's something else even deeper about this when it comes to Christmas, it's the idea that God is not only in control of time, God is above time. God's above time. Now, Jesus' existence did not begin when he was born in Bethlehem. This is very important. That before time, in eternity... Before there was a sun and rotation and and years and and all the marking of the time, before time in eternity there was Jesus. Now, not so with you and I. 
There is a popular mythology, another little aside, that somehow babies were with God and babies were sent from God. I mean, babies are, we are known from before all worlds. God has known us before we were created. But we weren't sent from God. Like, like we existed living in heaven and we were born into earth and one day when we die, we go back to heaven. We exist when we are conceived. We're not like Jesus. Jesus existed before the conception of the Holy Spirit and Mary. He existed forever. We came into existence, each one of you came into existence at the moment of what's called conception. Now, the Son of God was sent, meaning he was already there. He already existed before he was born. In the beginning, John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, Jesus, was with God, and the Word was God. Okay, if you can stretch your minds, which we can't enough, imagine, (laughs) this is, by the way, fool's errand, imagine what it was like before anything was created. Created beings cannot imagine that, you know, really imagine that. But before there was any world, before there was any heavens and earth, before there was any angels, before there was anything, thing, what was there? Tell me. God. There was God. And you know, one of the great mysteries about God that is celebrated in this wonderful passage about the timing of grace and redemption is this mystery that there is one God who has eternally existed before creation who is three. One God who is three. Three persons in the one God, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all over the Scriptures, we find these mentioned in tandems to where you put all this together, we see that before there was anything, it wasn't as if God did not have relationship or love. In fact, First John says God is love. It takes more than one person to be to love and so before there were any created beings or people god father son and holy spirit had what what douglas kelly my theology professor used to call the perfect family love of god himself there is love and unity and lavish family love in god himself god is eternal god is love god is whole In his book, The Pleasures of God, John Piper says this, A great part of God's glory is his happiness. This is a great book, by the way. If you've not read it, it's on on the joy of God being God and the things that God takes joy in. It's a recommended read. He says, A great part of the glory of God is the happiness of God. God's glory consists much in the fact that He is happy beyond our wildest imagination. In and of Himself. Before creation, God is whole. God is 
happy and gloriously so. And he goes on to say, and isn't it true that no one would want to spend eternity with an unhappy God? (laughs) Yes. And God created us in his image with the purpose to have that love, to, to share in that union, in that love, to, to, to enjoy a relationship with him in that love and with one another. But that relationship was utterly obliterated by us. That relationship was severed and was lost when we decided to go our own way rather than live God's way. Just a few weeks ago, actually it was last week, um, there's some construction going on in our neighborhood and the guy who's, who's leveling out the yard and doing the landscaping with the big, like, little, or little small bulldozer, whatever those are called, you know, and uh, he's leveling it out, and I met him, and he's a, he's a wonderful believer. In fact, he said, come on over here. Let's pray right now. And he had two men with him. Come on, let's hold hands. I'm holding hands in my neighborhood with them. This is great. I'm loving this. This is great. But um, it was interesting because uh, I said uh, to him, I said, well, you know, you've got a, you've got a real love for the Lord. I, I really appreciate that. You know, it, that's great. And I, I can tell that you care about the, the people that, that work with you, and he said, yeah, you know, he goes, I'll tell you what, it just ain't, ain't that complicated. We're just carrying around all kind of stuff because we just don't want to do what God wants us to do. And I walked away, and I thought, that is just one of the most profound things I've heard in a long time. <laughs> That's good theology. That goes back to the Garden of Eden in this God that wants us to have relationship with him and with one another, and we don't want it. And we rebelled against it. And we were cast out of the garden and cut off from God. And, and then there was the prophecy, one that would be born, that would reverse this curse of sin. Take away the curse. And then the waiting. And the waiting. For thousands of years. Jesus, the answer for our sin, he always existed. He always existed. It was in the fullness of time that the Father sent the Son. So the the first thing I want you to understand when it comes to Christmas, God's love breaking into the world and, and time was that it was just the right time and Jesus was already there. And the timing came out of God being timeless. But the second thing is the timing of God. It was, quote... The fullness of time, when the, t- the time that had, quote, fully come. What does that mean? What does it mean the time had fully come? What needed to happen? What needed to fully happen when the time had fu- before God sent his son? Does anybody know? Nobody knows. Nobody knows exactly what the fullness of time is. But right here, it says God knew. From time and eternity, God knew what exactly needed to happen for the time, the window, to be exactly right for him to send his son, born of a woman, to redeem those under the law. Galatians 4.4, when the time had fully come. Now, the idea 
of the fullness of time, we don't know. But, but we do have some ideas. Why? Have you ever wondered why then? Like there was all this time and then there was Jesus. Then there's all this time till now. You know, why not 10 years ago? Why not 10 years after Adam and Eve fell from God? Well, there were many things. And by the way, I'm not suggesting this is the answer. But there were many things at that particular time that Jesus was born that were utterly unique in all of human history and have never been duplicated since. And, and, and the thought on this was that these particular factors that all came together under God's sovereignty created a launching pad that was unimpeded for the spread of the good news. Well, for instance, that era of time was the only one in the civilized world where there was one common language. What does that mean? That means no matter where you go in the Roman Empire, you can speak, you might have your colloquial language, but one common language, and the New Testament is written in the common language of that era, which is Koine Greek. And so, you know how missionaries are sent out and they got, first thing they got to do is go to language school? No language school. Ready to go. One common language. There was, at that time, one common government. Meaning, there weren't certain places that you couldn't go. And rules and regulation that kept these people out and those people were always at war with these people and we don't like these people. So when the spread of the gospel came, and nor were there any wars going on to impede the process of, of just the rapid expansion of the gospel. It was what historians, church historians, called the Pax Romana, or the Roman peace. So the table set for the gospel at this time. It was at this time the first time in history where there were actual, and I know we take this for granted, actual roads that connected cities with cities, large cities with cities. And these roads, the, one of the things the Romans were really good at was building roads. In fact, I've walked on the, on the road, the Appian Way, the road that comes into Rome before, and it's still there because the Romans did a great job of building roads. And 2,000-something years later, it's still there. You can go walk on it. Um, so what's that mean? You know, no missionaries with machete, what do you call machete, machetes, machetes here. You don't have to go hack through the brush. Man, the gospel's just ready. Hit the highway. One language, no barriers, hit the highways. By this time, there were Jewish synagogues all over the Roman world. Why is that important? Because they had been there for a long, long time already proclaiming the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So that when Paul walked into a city like Ephesus, his first question would be, excuse me, could you tell me where the Jewish synagogue is? And he would go preach in the Jewish synagogue to the people who were Jews and also those people who were investigating theism as opposed to the polytheism of the Romans and the Greeks or some of the other religions that were going on. 
And he would say, look, you know the Messiah? Let me tell you, I know who it is. And he would preach Jesus. And many of those converts would come out of the synagogue. And so there was kind of this almost, you know, collapsed timeline of people understanding who God was as he, and, and, and some understanding as his church was developed. Ideal conditions for the spread of the good news that had never existed before. In the fullness of time, when the time had fully come, God sent his son after they waited so long. I don't know if that's the exact reason, but I do know this, that God knew exactly what needed to happen. And there was an exact second of an exact minute, of an exact hour, of a specific day when the angel Gabriel suddenly appeared to a virgin young girl named Mary. There was a moment in time, and it was the exact right time when that happened. You are going to be conceived with the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to the Son of God. And there was a, a, a moment of time, an exact, if you can see a watch, the second hand, an exact moment when Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem into this world. And the world, the Word became flesh and lived among us at that exact moment. Galatians 4.4 4 says this, God is sovereign And God is love, and his love is right on time. It's right on time. This Christmas, let me ask you something. Do you believe that? His love is right on time. You see, we think his love is late. His his love is not late. He's right on time. Do you see that Christ was sent by the Father at the fullness of of time, do you believe that God's love is running late right now in your life? Or could there be a fullness of time in the fulfillment of different things that God wants to, to do as expressions of love in the life of a believer? Is his love on time or not? Um, even when it includes that dreadful thing, called waiting. We don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. Christmas assures us of God's love, but the timing of his love. It's never late. But the emphasis here, isn't it interesting that the emphasis here is not just on Jesus coming into the world at the right time. Look back at Galatians 4.4. 4. Where's the emphasis? The emphasis is on the Father. In the fullness of time, when the time had fully come, God the Father sent His Son. You talk about the love of God and the timing of the love of God. It was surely no easy thing. For the Father to actually inaugurate that process of the leaving of Jesus Christ from the throne of God 
to come into this world. And we're going to look more at the humiliation of what that meant next week. Into a fallen world to live among sinners and to be killed by sinners. To be killed by his own creatures. Okay? So the Father, it's the fa- there's love here. God so loved the world that he sent his only son. When the time came, there was that moment, if you will, when the Father had to actually inaugurate that, that separation, if you will. Not, I mean, Jesus and the Father, there was prayer. There's not, when I say separation, I don't mean that an ultimate separation, but I mean that, that, that Christ would lay down so many things and become one of us, and he would leave heaven. The Father knowing that he would pour out every ounce of his wrath on his son. Hey, this is incredible. I want you to think, now I know this is in heaven, there's no time, but if we, can, we can't think outside of these categories very well, I want you to think about that, that second, so to speak, and the Father, I am going to pour out every ounce of every bit of the judgment and fury and wrath that I have against sinners on my son. And I've got to send him first before that happens. Knowing that he would turn away from the son, knowing that Jesus would cry in anguish on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? All that is just right there in Christmas. All that is just right there in Galatians 4.4. When the time had fully come, God sent His Son. This is love. And it's at exactly the right time. The moment was right. The cost was unfathomable. Very costly. I read the autobiography of one of the great missionaries whose name was Hudson Taylor. He was the first missionary to to not do missions around the coastal region of China. No one had dared to, to venture into the interior of China because you kind of wouldn't ever come back. <laughs> No one knew quite was what was there, and it was hostile, potentially. It was Hudson Taylor who felt the call of God to not only go be a missionary in China when he was a very young man, but to go into the interior of China and establish China Inland Mission. Amazing story. You ought to read it. It's Hudson Taylor's autobiography. He wrote it. You can still buy it. You go to any, probably the... Barnes & Noble, the RTS bookstore, you can buy the autobiography of Hudson Taylor. It was almost a century ago when this happened. And, I, and, and you know, it, it basically, the world was just totally different. It literally meant you were going to sacrifice your life to do it for the sake of the gospel. And there were not any telephones to call home. There wasn't any reliable way of passing along a message or or mail that anything you could count on. It was total disconnect. It was to be sent almost, it felt like, off the edge of the earth with, with no communication. 
and God was calling him to do it. And there was a day, there was a specific moment in his life when he literally made a step from the, the terra firma of England onto a gangplank that led him up to a boat, that led him away from his home, that led him to China, and that from there he went in. But God was not the only one sending Hudson Taylor to China. His mother was also sending him. And in his autobiography, Hudson Taylor records the last moments that he and his mother had together before she sent him, fully expecting to never see him again. And as I read this, though it is inferior in comparison to that moment when the Father sent Jesus... I want you to capture some of the, the emotion here and the love in it. He says, quote, My beloved saintly mother had come to see me off from Liverpool. Never shall I forget that day, nor how she went with me into the little cabin that was to be my home for nearly six long months. With a mother's loving hand, she smoothed the little bed. She sat by my side. She held my hand, and she joined me in the last hymn that we should sing together before the long parting. Then we knelt down, and she prayed the last mother's prayer that I was to hear before starting for China. And then notice was given that we must separate and we had to say goodbye. Listen to this. Never expecting to meet on earth again. That's unbelievable. Never expecting to meet on earth again. For my sake, she restrained her feelings as much as possible. We parted. She went on shore she gave me her blessing. I stood alone on the deck, and she followed walking the ship as we moved out toward the gates of the dock. And as we passed through the gates, and the separation really began, I shall never forget the cry of anguish that wrung out from that mother's heart. She just wailed. And he heard her. He says, it went through me like a knife. And then he said these words. I never knew so fully until then what the words, God so loved the world that he sent his only son really meant. In the fullness of time, at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive the full rights of sons. Brothers and sisters, Christmas was right on time. 
The love of God is never late. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your sovereignty over time, the world, the molecules, plants, animals, minerals, everything else, oceans and mountains, and the people who dwell on this earth, and your sovereignty even over our lives, even over your church. And Father, we forget that you are a God of timing. But Lord, would you use Advent, would you use Galatians 4.4 to remind us that you are the God of timing and that your love is right on time? Lord, would you help us to see the wonder and sacrifice and beauty and glory of Christ given, Christ sent, born into this world, crucified, dead and buried, risen again, to give us eternal life and total forgiveness of sins. Would you help us to rejoice in that gift? Would you help us to give gifts to one another this year? as a symbol of that greater and greatest gift. But Lord, this, this day, this morning, would you help us to focus in on that time dimension and trust in the timing of your love in our lives. Because you love us. Because that relationship through Jesus is alive, is restored, and always will be. And we praise you for this even as we celebrate. In Jesus' name, amen.